everybody, and welcome back to the Hallmarkies podcast. I am Carrie, your host today, and I'm joined with um, by our friend of the podcast, Me Too, is here. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, we're so happy to have you back. I know that it's just you're kind of a regular guest host with us, and so it's been fun because I've never hosted with you before, so it's fun to, um, to kind of mix it up and, and meet you this way. I love it. Yeah, I'm into it too, Rachel, bringing people together. I love that. Good old, good old technology, good old Rachel doing this for us. I love it. Well, we have the fun job today of recapping two Hallmark movies and mysteries premieres that happened over the month of May for two established series, pretty established, I would say. Uh, the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries and Morning Show Mysteries. Now, I think... Martha's Vineyard Mysteries is becoming a fan favorite. That mm. that would be my impression. What about you, Me Too? Do you think? I love the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries almost exclusively because of Jesse Metcalf's accent. I don't know if that's his accent for the movies or how he speaks, but <laughs> I just love it. It's so, I don't know, rough in a great He's way. So rough. Yeah. Is that a typical like Martha's Vineyard accent kind of like a I don't know an east coast kind of accent that he has I have no idea but I love it listening to him try to pronounce the names of drinks with that accent was a delight at one point he called Pinot Grigio Pinot Gris or something like that is just it's a 10 out of 10 every time I think he does such a great job like he is this character to me Jeff Jackson and I like that it's male kind of like from the male perspective like it's a male mm-hmm. uh lead and it's his backstory and it's his hometown type of thing i i think that's unique for mysteries on hallmark franchise you know i agree and it gives z the opportunity to be that voice of reason because mm-hmm. she is actually the one that does the reports and the autopsies and so she is the one with the inside line of information and Jeff is the one buzzing about and yeah. like doing the action <laughs> interfering. Exactly. So it's nice. That is, I, I really like that. Plus Martha's Vineyard is beautiful setting right there on the water. The cast of characters is really becoming kind of familiar and fun to me. You know, um, even this time we'll get to this, but um, Bob wasn't there, you know, this, this kind of gruff coffee shop Marina owner and, uh, he wasn't there. And I was like, Oh, Bob, Bob's not there. And so I'm starting to get familiar with the cast. And I like that too. But what about the morning show mysteries? What is your overall um, just opinion of personal opinion of the morning show mysteries? I love the morning show mysteries. I really, really love Holly Robinson, Pete. She's never been bad in anything. I just did a pandemic watch of hanging with Mr. Cooper and I got to watch her grow on that. I had never seen the show before. And so it's just been great to watch her in all stages of life. I watched for your love, which is another show that she did. And, um, I, I was, we can get into this later surprised that Rick Fox wasn't in this movie, but the lead is very handsome and I was very happy for her there too. So (laughs) I'm into it. That is, that is so great. Okay. So we have, we had such a break in the morning show mysteries that I thought they were done. I thought they were over, Mm -hmm. you know, there we had five, maybe six, I think five episodes already, five movies. And when they said it was coming back, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be so fun. 
Um, so we'll definitely get into that later. I, I do want to talk about that, but um, I, I'm a big fan of these two series. And so I'm really excited to talk about the, um, the newest insult installments here. Cast of characters. We know, we know who's in it. With Jesse Metcalf, you said Sarah Lind is Dr. Z Madeira's Andy, I mean, Nelson Wong is Andy Lau, which is so fun. And then Tammy Gillis is this character named Lauren Cabot. She's kind of just a small character, not a regular, but I love Tammy Gillis. Do you recognize that name at all? No, where should I know her from? Like a million little things. Ooh, it's, okay. It, totally. If you look her up on IMDb or something, you would recognize her in all these little um, things that she's done tons for Hallmark, just like she's the sister or she's the, mm -hmm. like in here, you know, the, the bank um, owner or something, but she is, she's just one of those characters that she's a character actor, it seems. And she just, just dives in. So look her up. That's like my but, favorite genre of actor. So I absolutely will. Really? Oh, that's great. I love when you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, I know them, I know them. And then you look up their IMDb and they were like, in several episodes of Saved by the Bell or in several yes. episodes of this or that. And you're just like, oh, you were in everything. You're just so good at fading into things and like becoming who you need to be to support this role. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love when they appreciate their career. That is that, you know, and mm -hmm. it seems like, it seems like she is that one. So, so definitely look her up, but okay. What did you think of the first let's say 20 minutes, this whole section before our first commercial break is so important. What were your first impressions of Poisoned in Paradise? For Poisoned in Paradise, I would say that I was into the intrigue that they set up in the very beginning where Katie approaches Jeff and tells him that she is over her head. I think that if I were over my head in crime, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would turn myself in. So I like that she is clearly, it's conveying that she is clearly desperate for help and willing yeah. to risk her own safety and freedom in order to access it. So I thought that that set up really great intrigue. I also like that we immediately jump into Jeff and Z's relationship. Yes. They have that fab date. He pronounces Pinot Grigio in a way that I will remember for the rest of my life and makes that <laughs> delicious looking fish. I wanted to be a third person on that date, make it just like a friend hangout. But um, I liked that too. I liked that we were building up to her telling him that she had feelings for him, but that it was a bit complicated, which we can get yeah. into later. So I like that they just jumped right in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this was a slow build. I would say that we got a lot of action pretty quickly. We did. We did. And I, I love that about the first 20 minutes um, of this movie specifically. It really, really, um, we just dove in with this creepy little um, time at the restaurant where the waitress goes and she tries to secretly, you know, download something on, on a thumb drive. But she is nervous. Someone's watching her, you know. And at first mm -hmm. I thought it was her guilty conscience, but really there was someone there kind of like, watching her or trying to get to her and something. So she speeds off in her motorbike. And, uh, and then the same, I love when we can jump right in where we left off with a relationship that that built that finally mm -hmm. went somewhere in the last movie with Jeff and Z. And then we didn't have to skip a whole movie 
to get back to their relationship. Like right away, they were together. They were, he asked her out on another date. They like, they wanted to spend time together. They went to his cutie patootie kitchen that I, that like you, I just wanted to be there with them. <laughs> that was, that was so great. So speaking of the time that she, that Katie, the waitress sought out Jeff and she recognized him, I guess, in a coffee shop and asked him if it was Jeff Jackson and he consulted with the police. And I was so, my heart was beating for her because I can't imagine being scared like that. You know, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And, and then he is too. He couldn't do anything else but tell her, go to the chief, you know, mm -hmm. go to the chief. If you're in over your head, if you're, if you need help, you know, you need to go to the chief. But then he couldn't control what she did. I mean, that yeah. that was a scary thing to me too. Just like, ooh, what's gonna happen? So, so okay, so they are on this date. And then how does this this little beginning segment end? Do you remember? Like she's telling him, Yeah. Um, I have I have feelings for you, but or she said, you know, I have to tell you something. Is that mm -hmm. what she said? I think she said, I have feelings for you. And he said, but, and then mm -hmm. she was going to give the, but, and then they turn around and we see a turned over, was it like a Vespa or something? Yes. And like so it, it turns yeah. out that Katie was the one who was driving that turned over uh, bike. And she is the one who is dead. She's the one who's dead. She's the one who's dead. <laughs> Honestly, at 15 minute, at the 15 minute mark, I was like, I can't believe no one's died yet. Like, where's the, where's the mystery here? Like, where's the dead body? There was one, it might have been shipped in the night, the very last one. They had like three dead bodies in that first opening segment. Backed, yeah. Back to back to back. But this one, they didn't until it was Katie. And it was like, oh no, not Katie. She didn't even go for help <laughs> yet. <laughs> so that was the opening so now we have jeff who feels burdened to know and to help her you know post-mortem what was this big thing she was involved in you know what was i got to get to the bottom of this you know what was i think they suspect foul play right away mm -hmm. because of the um something around her her mouth or, or something like it was yeah maybe, maybe a stroke maybe a heart attack i don't know and she's 26 and so they said that that was too young to have experienced either of those things in normal circumstances yeah yeah so katie's in over her head jeff needs to know why z's on the case medically which is fantastic let's talk about these interesting cast of characters they aren't regulars but they're going to be important here to this movie like who did who was like impressionable to you when when they came on the scene and and you met them one of the great red herrings for me was everything at the bank so you hinted at this in the synopsis where z discovers a hundred thousand dollars in her bank and does the opposite of what many might do which was immediately go to the bank and go i don't know where this money came from or what what i'm supposed to do with it and the siblings there, what were their names? Noah and Lauren, 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 Noah and Lauren, uh, look into it. And then the bank teller, as she is, as they're getting it sorted, it gives her like 
every single bit of juicy gossip feet away from her boss. I just loved that confidence. She just was like, boop, 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 typing, like whatever, trying to sort things. And she was like, well, you didn't hear it from me, but actually the reason they're back there fighting is the dad left everything to Lauren for the, to run the bank and took care of both of them in the will. But Noah is mad that Lauren has the bank. And I mean, she is just truly dishing. And so that was just an immediately enjoyable scene for me. I love watching gossip in movies and then messy gossip at that, just like a yard from (laughs) the people who employ her. It was just delicious. Totally. (laughs) That was so funny. And it turns out, I guess Z and Noah had gone to high school together, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, So she knew, you know, it's a small island. Everyone knows each other, I guess. And then even then with this, um, this bank teller, Z had done her physical therapy or, or uh, prescribed it or something. And so, you know, she's just feels super comfortable right away with Z (laughs) to tell her all of these insides on the, the inheritance that happened at the bank. I believe the bank teller's name was Hazel. I'm trying to consult my notes. I'm not as good as Rachel is. I know keeping track of all these things, but (laughs) uh, that was like an immediate red herring for me. I figured either one of these siblings did it. I thought maybe we're going to find out it was Lauren because she is less likely than Noah because Noah is disgruntled with his inheritance. Um, But we'll discuss later. It turned out not to quite be the case, but that one really redirected me. Yes. Especially because of the, the hundred thousand that was in Z's account and it was such a big deal. And yeah, I thought that was a pretty substantial plot that we were going to see something happen with that as well. Um, something smaller was the manager at the restaurant, the beach house that the waitress Katie worked at, mm-hmm. Claire, she kind of put them on the tail of, um, or the trail of um, Glenn, this guy named Glenn, who was Katie's ex-boyfriend. He was a cook at the restaurant and he quit the night before she was murdered. So me to same with me uh, with Glenn I was like okay he's he has he plays a part but I don't think that he's going to have a big part necessarily but it's always fun to see how it they mesh how the story kind of comes together so with Glenn you know he genuinely seemed surprised that she was dead he didn't know he um but he was a punk you know even Jeff called him a punk he was like that punk knows more than that punk so he he was totally bothered by him but but that was glenn so that was another little trail that they had to follow Mm -hmm. there was one more i believe um marty klein marty klein tell us about marty klein marty klein was the professor of who specialized in greek mythology and ran a farm and led a vegan and sustainable lifestyle. And Katie worked at that farm. And one of the things that the cops had access to when uh, they found Katie's body was her phone. And while they couldn't get into her phone, they saw texts pop up on the home screen and took photos of them, of Marty texting her apologies, like many I'm sorry texts. And he claims when they walk up to him and confront him about it, that he yelled at her for destroying heirloom tomato seeds, which was loose, just an immediate (laughs) red herring. Just, I love an heirloom tomato. I know they are expensive. It's an expensive habit I have at my local Whole Foods. 
but I don't know that anyone is yelling at anyone over heirloom tomato seeds. My favorite, they were like these purple heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. Something like that. It's like, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. I don't know about this right. one, but that was a good red herring because I was immediately suspicious of that. I was like, I don't know that anyone's yelled over tomatoes. Oh, for sure. And just his, his call me or whatever his text said did not really match the mm -hmm. tone of, I wanted to apologize. You know, I yelled at her and I felt bad. I wanted to apologize. It was like a, it was definitely more urgent than that. And more, um, more of a boss, you know, demanding mm -hmm. than apologetic. So for sure, Marty Klein, he was, oh, I mean, he rubbed me the wrong way. As soon as he quoted <laughs> that wacky quote of soccer. Oh yeah. His Socrates quote. Uh, it was, um, the man that knows everything knows he knows nothing at all. It's like, I don't know, man, if I'm being confronted by police for a murder, I don't know that I'm speaking in riddles. I'm just going, I didn't do it. <laughs> I think that I got this exact same thing me too. I was like, okay, obviously these are policemen coming up at you. He doesn't know yet that Katie's murdered, but I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't even play these games. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't like, think so. Marty, Professor Klein. Oh my goodness. So while they are with Professor Klein or following certain um, leads that, that some, not necessarily witnesses, but close contacts are giving the police, Z finds out that yes, the autopsy shows Katie was poisoned by a highly toxic poison um, or highly, highly toxic, um, amount of poison, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, the water hemlock. Yes. Water hemlock. Water hemlock, which is native to the Island. And she said that really anyone who knows, like anyone native to the Island, I guess themselves would know where to get it, how to extract it. Like it's pretty, it's pretty run of the mill poison, I guess, just right there on Martha's vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> just another thing to look out for as we come out of a pandemic <laughs> water hemlock around the corner careful careful out there in martha's vineyard so so they found that in her um in a liquid uh that was in her backpack and jeff thought maybe it was vinegar but turns out it was kombucha mm -hmm. so kombucha that um will come into play later i guess so she's poisoned and i mean where do we go from here? They have a couple leads that they followed, but nothing really. I would say the interesting concurrent storyline was also Jeff trying to get closer to figuring out who shot him and why. And so we also have that side storyline of him going to Boston and him working with Andy to arrest Keith McDonough and later, um, interrogate him and having to run up against it looked like federal agents who wanted to interrupt the case and so he had a really nice exchange I guess nice is a broad term for it but <laughs> while he was at the station in Boston he ran into Sergeant Sergeant Paul Weber who gave him the advice of moving on he said that he himself had been sidelined in his career due to injury in his case he knew exactly who did it and why Whereas he knows that for Jeff, it'll be harder for him to find peace and move on because he has the mystery hanging over him, but that he just must do that. And so that I thought that was like an interesting smaller storyline, which more directly connects with his love storyline, I think, with Z than whatever he's doing on the vineyard, because that's one of the things holding her back, it seems, is 
his dedication to figuring out what happened to him and finding that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that piece. I feel like as a doctor, she understands that it's not just your body that needs to heal, but we are our whole person, our whole being, body, soul, mind, spirit, all connected. And she just has a good compassionate insight, I think, to okay, you have baggage, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, but I, but she's compassionate about that. Like find that answer and, and become whole, you know, like she wants him to do that. And so she's willing to kind of put them. Yeah. To, to kind of slow, slow the pace a little bit, but I think he had, I think he is obsessed. He is in no condition to follow through on his own cold case. Like he no. is he is so emotionally charged every time he gets a phone call, every time he gets information. He got information this time by Jackie Shaw, the reporter on Martha's Vineyard, told him that the 38 special, which is this um, nickname that the shooter, I guess he gave the shooter or something of his cold case, he kind of is on the loose, it seems again, in Boston. And um, that is what initiated uh, Jeff's phone call to his buddy Andy and um, got him actually to Boston. He went back and forth a couple of times to Boston in this movie. Flew. <laughs> to, flew. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it is not easy to get in and out of Martha's Vineyard. Like he was shelling out dollars to get there. He was so important to him. So he's he definitely has a little obsession right now. You brought up Sergeant Peter Weber. Mm-hmm. I have, I have every instinct that we'll see him again. I mean, he at first seemed like a shady character. And I think Jeff too was suspicious of him. Like, why are you reading my cold case file? But he proved to be a friend. He really did mm-hmm. prove to be, um, he said, you've got a friend here. And um, Jeff called him a few times for insider information. And by the end, I, I trusted him. I liked him. Me too. And he said that because he is at his desk and assigned to his desk work that he has time to review cold cases. Mm -hmm. I imagine as he develops a relationship with Jeff, he'll keep digging in and finding more helpful information. So like you said, I don't think this is the last we'll see of him in this movie, even if it's a little bit in the next installments, I think he will be a big part of revealing the details of the cold case. Yeah. Now it was interesting to me that they introduced an ally because I thought we already had one in Andy Lau, Mm -hmm. but because they introduced this new character, Paul Weber, I wondered, I got an uneasy feeling about Andy Lau. Um, Like he can't have two allies in Boston. Right. A little Hmm. bit. I mean, maybe he could. And oh my gosh, Nelson Wong is, I mean, you don't want to root against the guy. He is a sweetheart. But this character is not always upfront with Jeff. Is not not always giving him the full information, not always honest. And I realize it's policeman versus civilian. I mean, I I realize that there's some boundaries that may be there. But I don't know. Did you get that feeling at all about him? I didn't, but now that you're saying it, I am. Maybe you're just particularly convincing and should be like a salesperson <laughs> or something, but I I really like that. I like that theory, and now I'm kind of rooting for it, even though it's kind of mean to Jeff. I know. <laughs> That's fun and complicated. 
It's fun and complicated. I mean, we find out already that Andy Lau had arrested Keith McDonough, this criminal, before, like four mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. like four times. And um, it was in Keith McDonough's file. And that's some information that Paul Weber gave to Jeff. But Jeff was like, why didn't you tell me you've arrested this guy before? You know, like there's got to be a, a funny relationship there between cop and criminal that <laughs> where that happens. <laughs> but I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Andy, are you trustworthy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> OK, so that gets us back and forth to Boston and mm-hmm. this really interesting and complex backstory of Jeff Jackson's. But meanwhile, on the island, we do find that Katie, when she died, she herself had a $100,000 extra in her bank account. And that is brought to the attention that brought to Jeff and Z's attention. And they're like, oh, no, what is this? You know, this this can't be a coincidence. So they look into that at the bank with this great character that Tammy Gillis plays, Lauren. And uh, they kind of track, hunt that down. Do you remember the details of that? Finding yes. out. That the deposits were coming from Chesterfield Logistics and they were coming through someone named Evelyn who turned out to be Katie. And it was delightful the moment where they're like, Katie is Evelyn, Evelyn (laughs) is Katie. And I just live for those fun, dramatic moments. They had another one later we can talk about with Glenn and them putting together the magazine clip outs to put up the puzzle of like, if if you don't pay me, I'm gonna go to the cops or something like that. They did that with like a bunch of magazines. And it was just, I love those sorts of reveals because they're just fun and silly and, very within the genre absolutely this this whole reveal um at the bank you know they couldn't get the the bank um owner lauren to reveal account information like even even a name or all of the stuff and so they were like they had to kind of get a creative way around about some of that and they thought of the security cameras and Mm -hmm. you know one corporate account was open that day one person came in to open it can we get another shot can we get another angle and there it is it's Katie in a disguise opening an account as Evelyn Lesko so so they obviously think rightly she's a front she's a front to something big and um and they're using her to to uh yeah get get money I guess back and forth and they've still got to figure that out we have not introduced one character just yet. This is a character who is new to the island, uh, fairly new, a couple months, and he's a baker. And he opened this baking, this um, gourmet, what was it called? Tray gourmet. And uh, <laughs> tray gourmet, very, very gourmet. Um, so we, we meet him first at the beginning when Brit z's friend is is trying out his pastries for her hotel or her inn and oh they're so good and oh my goodness this guy's gonna you know have a long tenure on the island give bob a run for his money and stuff like that so um they they find him again they go back and um talk with bob again and because they needed to track down noah when they were talking about um about some of this stuff. So they find Z and Jeff find themselves in the bakery 
talking to these two um, about the beach house because why do you remember that connection how they got there was this through the the money laundering and the orchids is that what we are in the movie yeah oh yeah connect those dots for us would you me too you're good at that <laughs> anytime so I believe we find out that, of course, heirloom tomatoes don't cause people to snap at others. Um, so we learn that Marty is hustling orchids, which I didn't know that there was a market there. I will learn to garden soon to try to get my own piece of that pie. <laughs> and and so it's illegal. Me too. It's illegal. Is that? <laughs> You're right. Excuse me. <laughs> That's true. They were shipping in these orchids and then Marty was figuring out how to sell them. And then they were um, using the bank to launder the cash for from these uh, orchid sales. And so they put that all together and we find out, I don't know if we are comfortable doing reveals now that um, Frank had a history with all of these players and that um, he actually had just been recently released from prison himself um, mm -hmm. for, <laughs> I think it was like fraud and laundering and all the things that you, uh, all of the skills that would lend themselves to being successful in this little crime ring. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> he tries to escape by tossing up flour and using a <laughs> blowtorch to set it on fire, which was of the funniest things I have seen in my life. <laughs> I watched that scene several times, called my partner into the living room so he could watch. It was just real <laughs> in my home to just watch that flower go on fire. <laughs> then he tries to disappear in a flowery, smoky mist. Yes, he does. He does because, because we've already ruled out Marty. Marty mm -hmm. is, yes, he has this illegal orchid thing he's doing. Yes, Katie was connected to him and worked for him part-time, but no, he was not the one laundering money and um, or like he wasn't the one involved in, in this big thing that Katie was involved in. She was involved in something bigger because he said he said, no, she didn't want it. She said, I don't want to take any more dirty money. And they mm -hmm. were like, oh, yeah. where's that other dirty money coming from? So we say, no, it's not Marty. Then they find out, no, it's not has has nothing to do with Glenn because Glenn, they found him dead in his apartment shot and he had been writing um um blackmailing notes or not writing cutting them out of magazines yes. arts and crafts yes so he had been he he was black he knew what katie was involved in i guess and he was blackmailing people that about it so he wasn't really involved i don't think but he was blackmailing people so so then it comes down to this you know this who then, how were they laundering money? And it turns out they're laundering through the beach house, the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Turns out the brother, um, the, one of the siblings, Noah, Lauren Noah. owns the bank. Noah was given the beach house as an inheritance. So now Noah does know Katie, does have his hands on some money, does have a place he can launder money through. Like he's becoming more and more suspicious to them and they think he's he's the big dog but when they find him he is super scared super he said i paid off glenn i tried to come and warn katie and um 
now I'd, I'm going to be next. Someone's going to kill me next, you know? And they're like, who, who's going to kill you next? <laughs> and he falls down the stairs and he is, gets unconscious and he can't, he's no more help. No more help to Jeff. No more help to Z because he's injured. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's very helpful. Thank you. I forgot that the orchids were not part of that, but rather their own hustle. And that the reveal was that Noah was doing his own hustle where he had maybe the most popular bank in town where you could just have a surprise hundred thousand dollars right. in your account. Unfortunately, it might disappear later, but you know, just for a day, just to feel I, it. Just so he can like hide it somewhere and then, and then move it around. So of course, at this time we think, I don't know, my mind still was on Lauren, the sister banker, you know, kind of like, wow, she's, she's in on this too. But turns out she was not actually she was not in on it she had okay what did she do she was trying to help him but he, her brother was in deeper than she thought her brother had always had a gambling problem mm -hmm. even since high school and actually had a record as a bookie one who takes bets and shuffles money around I guess so you need a backer for that I don't know um, you need someone with money to back this, to back it up. But <laughs> he got in trouble in Providence. And then now he's here again. And so they're like, okay, who's backing him though? So they kind of just keep realizing that it's bigger and bigger and bigger until we get to that great scene with the fire and the blowtorch and the creme brulee or whatever it is that he was yes. doing <laughs> with the baker. <laughs> I wish they could have had one last dessert. Creme brulee is a treat. <laughs> such a treat. And he was doing such a good job. I mean, I think he was a legit baker. That's the sad thing. You have a legit skill to make honest money and to do honest work. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, uh, if I were them, it's like you were a murderer five minutes ago. You'll be a murderer five minutes from now. I'm going to enjoy this brownie before I expose your, <laughs> your crimes. Would you, just, would you just sit tight? Yeah. <laughs> I could take a little coffee with this. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, like, oh, are those cookies fresh? Uh, I'll tell you later. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. So, I mean, they don't, they, when they kind of wrap it up for us and they like kind of walk it through and say, this is how you killed Katie. And I guess somehow he knew her daily schedule and he knew she made her own kombucha and mm -hmm. um, poisoned it, I guess right yes i mean he poisoned it i don't really know he wasn't native to the island though like some of those things didn't add up to me like he's not native to the island he's new yet he poisoned her with this water hemlock i don't know it doesn't matter somehow he poisoned her through her special drink and then he shot glenn then he was gonna uh threaten noah anyway I, I thought it was really clever, super clever, how Z and Jeff kind of got him at his bakery with the phone call. I loved that reveal, though I would say that it came a little easy where Jeff calls him from Noah's phone and instead of just checking to make sure it was Noah, Frankie immediately was like, hey, if you tell on me, I'm going to get you or whatever. <laughs> and Jeff was like, hey, man, <laughs> you just revealed everything. Sorry. <laughs> you. Thank you very much. That was super easy. I think I just kind of shows his like mobster roots, you know, like he's going to threaten before he actually sees. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> That's a great point. Maybe it's true to character. Yeah. Yeah. So he he is this big time bookie um, from Providence, Danny, Donny, Danny Callahan. And uh, so obviously he came to Martha's Vineyard, changed his name, found, um, partnered up with Noah, and they just did this successful money laundering for a little while until Katie got in over her head and was and was scared. And uh, so that that is it. I mean, it takes us to the docks. We have a pretty scary tussle because Donnie, this Frank Baker is a big guy. Mm-hmm. He was with a, a big fish hook with a big fish hook <laughs> or whatever that is. I'm not uh, someone who fishes. I don't know anything about it, but it was just the biggest hook I had ever seen in my life. And he would try to drive that into Jeff. And then he like picks him up by his neck and just yeah. you know, dangling. <laughs> I thought that scene was kind of silly because Jeff just sort of tweaked his eyebrow or something and he dropped him. It's like, I like it hurts to wax your eyebrows, but I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that if I had the strength to lift someone in that way, that that's what would take me out. Right, right. I, I know maybe it was more of a gouge or something yeah. to the eye, but it definitely seemed like a little like, plink, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Frank was like, Ow, you know, it's just like, I don't know if I buy this, but this is still a great fight scene. And, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I can tell that you can tell Jesse Metcalf was excited to get into that physicality because he was yeah. all in. Yeah, he, he was really, all like, in. Fighting. You're exactly right. He's he's a runner too. I mean, like he mm-hmm. like he runs and he goes for it. And there was times um when they arrested Keith McDonough and in the, you know, they're all running after him in Boston yeah. and they're doing the sneak around thing in the warehouse. And you can just tell that Jesse Metcalf loves that part of it. He's an action man. So that works. That works for him. This, I loved this movie. I thought it was so great and um, a really good installment to the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries. I guess I would rate it four out of five. I completely uh-huh. agree. It was yeah. fab. It was really great. Yeah, good. Way to go, Martha's Vineyard. Thank you for (laughs) (laughs) Poisoned in Paradise. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode, and that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies Podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family please consider and we will love you forever go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies that's patreon.com slash hallmarkies let's go on then we've got one more movie to cover and that is the morning show mysteries a murder ever after which aired just last night um or a couple nights ago if you're depending on when we listen to this um and it's the sixth movie is what i think and um you know, before we go on, I just want to say, first of all, welcome back, Morning Show Mysteries. <laughs> welcome <laughs> back. I think everyone was excited to see that there was another Morning Show Mystery coming. But let's talk about a few of the things that were different right off the bat. 
for this morning show um, movie, right away in the previews, we see a different guy. Mm-hmm. We don't see Rick Fox. Do you know anything about that? Do you know any backstory or? I didn't, and I hadn't seen previews. Uh, so oh, I did. just went into this movie straight up and I I was very surprised to not see Rick Fox. I've probably had a crush on Rick, Rick Fox my entire life. I feel like he's been handsome since I was a child. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's ever had an off day, but um, uh, that's not to sleep on uh, Colin Lawrence as Terrell. He is very handsome, fills those shoes very well of the gruff, cute cop that she is now going to get uh, likely become romantically involved with. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, I did see a preview and I was sitting here with my daughter one time and we were both like, what? A new guy? Who is this guy? Wait, what? Where's Rick Fox? And uh, of course, who played Ian Jackson? And he was he was very good character. I really liked that character. But this swap was a great swap. I personally yeah. think it was a really great swap. And it brought some new life to this series to me. You know, there's a couple new things like right away in the opening, um, one of the first time opening scenes here with Billy, we hear she sold her restaurant. She um, is a host, a, a full-time host on the morning show, Wake Up West Coast. She broke up, the, she and Ian broke up. He moved to LA to be with his daughter, rightly so. And um and then you know this new detective is coming and you're like, okay, okay, we're going somewhere here with this movie. And honestly, I think it makes more sense. This it's called morning show mysteries. Like mm-hmm. get her on the morning show full time. Like she doesn't need two jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it as a way to explore her investigative skills, both as a journalist and with the crime. And then uh, I can't remember if we've done a synopsis yet or not, but um, so I don't want to get too into it, but she also had great chemistry with the new host that we meet, Carlos. Yes. And that was, that was really nice to watch too. Yeah, that was, I, I love that because I thought this TV studio and the cast of characters that goes with the TV studio and this wake up West coast show that they do, they are so strong. They're Mm -hmm. so fun. They're so funny. We have Phil, Lucy, Lance, Gretchen. I mean, and then this new guy, Carlos. They are such a great addition to um, this movie. It's just fun. It's going to be more of them, I think, because she has a full-time role now on this Wake Up West Coast show. Which, by the way, did you love the title sequence for Wake Up West Coast? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a whole new title sequence. Having her that's the star of it. I loved it. I was like, they are clearly just starting fully fresh. It is Billy's new era, and we are just lucky to bear witness. I know. It was so great. I, I thought that was so funny. But um, they did a great job at that. Okay, so let's let's get in then. Um, obviously, we're talking about Holly Robinson Pete, who is um Billy Blessings. And then Colin Lawrence, who is this new detective, Terrell Price. And he has been in, he's in Virgin River. Do you watch Virgin River? I don't. Did you? Okay. So he's, he's like the preacher in that. I think his name's Preacher. Mm. He has been in with Holly Robinson, Pete, all of the Christmas and Evergreen movies. 
or mm. not all of them, but some of them. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. her love interest in those movies and does a great job with her there. So, so fun to see more of them here. And then Karen Robinson is awesome and amazing Aunt Cassandra, who I love. <laughs> She's a great character. We'll talk more about her later. Okay, also, so that actor has such range because her character on Schitt's Creek couldn't be more different than on this movie. Oh. I, it took me a while to realize they were the same person. Stop it. They're not. Yeah. She's not Rhonda. Let me make sure I'm not lying to you. Uh, Is she Rhonda? But it hit me while I was watching today because I just finished Schitt's Creek. I was like, I think they're one and the same. Are you kidding me? Let, I, me, that's just, let me make sure I am not lying to your face in this moment. I will Google very fast. But she has such a unique ca- character, like a unique um, characteristics of her face. I mean, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't see how you could be wrong. That blows my mind. I love that, actually. Because Rhonda is hilarious. Just yes. OK, face. one in the same Ronnie Lee and Aunt Cassandra. Like, what a range. (laughs) What a fantastic range. Okay, I need to see what else she's in now. Because I, yeah, I need to look her up. Because I, her as Aunt Cassandra is my, what I thought was my first time seeing this actress. But now I know it's not. But um, I just think she's, she's a great, has a great comedic presence with, Mm -hmm. she's a straight man. You know, she plays Mm -hmm. the straight man. What are you doing? Leave it to the police. Don't get involved. But she's hilarious. (laughs) What were your first impressions of the first, um, these opening sequences here? This one, I think I spent a little bit of time texting friends being like, oh my goodness, this is a total reset. And so I think that was my initial reaction more than getting into the story, which is not to say the story wasn't great. I was just surprised and interested in this new start for this um, series. I would say that the mystery they set up was great because initially, so we learned that um, her old friend, Maggie, uh, Maggie's dad, Ryan gets sick. And so he has to go to the hospital and then in looking through Maggie's home, Billy, of course, as these people do in these small towns, mm-hmm. finds a skeleton. And then um, they have to call the authorities and figure out who has been killed and why, and whether this uh, skull belongs to Ryan's ex-wife, Phoebe, who had disappeared seven years prior. And so with that, we just had this immediate fun setup. And I thought that the mystery would be that Ryan himself was tampered with in some way. And so I was surprised at that redirect that like what happened to him is unfortunate, but not um, foul play. And rather it is this uh, discovery in the basement. Yes. You know what? um, That's funny that you say that because that wasn't very clear to me. They Mm -hmm. did show someone in the house lurking um, when the daughter came in and found her dad on the ground. And someone was in the house lurking. And so you assume it's going to be this foul play, but, um, but they never really circle back to that. And you do just think, well, maybe these two were talking and he just, I don't know. I don't know what that, what that was all about, but there is, I, what I like about this movie 
is that they keep going back. It was really heavy on the flashbacks, Mm -hmm. but it was flashbacking to this, um, or sorry, flashing back to this um, one particular night, New Year's Eve night, seven years ago, fireworks, the whole neighborhood in the cul-de-sac, like all the friends are out there. And so you start to get this flashback from everyone's different perspective, piecing together what actually happened that night seven years ago when they find that these two um, mar- two people married to other people are having an affair and the different perspectives from the neighbors and um, this Phoebe and Jay who are going to run off together and then they were never seen again after that night, a, arg- a big argument, you know, between everybody and stuff. Um, so that I thought was really fascinating. And I actually love stories like this where they just try to figure it out and everyone has a different perspective. And so that kind that got me right away when I saw a f- flashback. I was like, oh boy, here we are. We're flashing back. I like it. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think sometimes those storylines can get complicated a la how to get away with murder. But in this case, with this, uh, with murder after, with murder ever after, they did it in a really smart way. Like you said, we would sometimes see the same scene over and over again, just sort of looking for different clues. Often we would see it from different perspectives. And I love when people play with the concept of people's memories. Mm -hmm. So you can really think that you saw something or really think that something happened. And you could even have potentially have seen it, but it's not the whole story. And so piecing it together through all of these different perspectives and things that they find from that night was really smart. I enjoyed every reveal from that. And it was a really great tool for this story. Yeah, I, I agree. I, so we have a couple of, um, a couple of key players here. Billy, of course, is, is our main gal, but she is getting ready for an interview with a mayoral candidate, a lady named Pam Messner. So Pam is running for mayor and is going to come on the show. And um, so, so Billy's preparing these muffins. They're going to bake together or whatever to put this mayoral candidate, candidate in a good light. And um, so we have Pam Messner, who we find out later, her husband, Jay Messner, was one of the guys having, one of the, the men having the affair. Then we have Ryan, who's Maggie's dad, who's in the hospital now, who was married to Phoebe, a younger woman who ran off with Jay. So Ryan was um, an upstanding citizen in the town, gym teacher, married a younger, a younger woman. Um, and then we have um, the Neelys, um, Gwendolyn and Mike Neely, who lived on the block and was, was with everyone in that group. And then we have Aunt Cassandra actually did not live there, does not live there now, but did live there earlier she said she didn't live there during the this time of this party and stuff so she wasn't involved but she knows the key players so she's she's an in too i love how um billy always ropes her in (laughs) yeah i love that she unfortunately had just that little bit of knowledge that billy needed and you know she just regretted whatever time she had spent living on that street and so that was a delight Yes, that was so great. So I love that. So throughout the whole movie, we're watching these three couples and kind of how they how they interact and where they went from here. But something fun is happening at the studio in the meantime. Um, do you want to tell us about the introduction of this new character, Carlos Montano? 
Yes. So Carlos comes on the scene. He's this hotshot morning show host and, or, and journalist. And they think that um, he's going to come in super informed, ready to run things. And instead he doesn't even recognize who Billy is, asks her about her muffins, questions her old thing and pushes her to do some quote unquote real journalism. And so their relationship was immediately antagonistic and I actually loved that little bite between them. I couldn't tell if he was also a potential love interest because they had that immediate chemistry because there was just a fire there um, as they were uh, riffing off each other. Yeah. And he kept saying, so he gets wind of this, um, this, this body, this bones in the basement, you know, dug up from this old gym teacher's house. And um, so he kind of goes on this, this hunt to find the real story. Well, Billy does not want this story broken on her show. Cause this is about her friend and her friend Maggie, and she does not want to be a part of this. So he keeps, he keeps like giving information and um, her interest is peaked more and more each time. And, and he keeps saying, you know, are we working together now? And she's like, no, like, are we working? Like, are you going to, are we going to work together? And she's like, no. So I thought that was really fun too. He's just doing his job, but boy, he was persistent. Definitely persistent. Yeah. He even, uh, convinced Terrell to go on the show, which I think was a great scene to just sort of show how persuasive Carlos can be because, Terrell, when he is introduced, his partner introduces him as someone who doesn't eat carbs or sweets, doesn't watch TV, just doesn't have time for nonsense or fun, just is work oriented and is someone who uh, is a doer in every sense. And so um, for him to have been persuaded to go on a morning show to try to glean information about an active case that he's investigating is a testament to how smart and cunning Mm -hmm. the series is making us believe that Carlos is yeah and I don't think we're he's not a bad guy like Mm -mm. he's there in no way was he really villainous in any of the stuff that he did he was he seemed suspicious to me sometimes he seemed pushy bossy um but he but he's a reporter you know like he 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 was doing his job and he was doing it well Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm so, okay, so there's there's some parallels here now between um, Detective Price, Terrell Price, and um, Carlos Montano. Just a little bit of parallels in the way that they relate to Billy Blessings. So that's why I do wonder, oh, is this some sort of triangle now? Are we, or what? But it just was what it was. It wasn't too heavy on the romance at all with um, either one, but there was some laid a foundation for for an antagonistic relationship with both men um even detective price did not know who she was when they met and Mm -hmm. that kind of you know kind of bothered her a tiny bit but not really she's humble (laughs) you know (laughs) um he is she was bummed or not bummed she was bothered that he was getting in the way she's like he's he's getting in the way like we can handle this you know this investigation and this um her friend Wally, she was like, Wally, you're on the case, you know, but he he's there. So let's talk about this scene that they have together, the sandwich scene, the sandwiches. She brings um, her friend Wally some lunch on the at the crime scene, but Wally's not there. So she said, well, there's also a sandwich in here for you to um, 
Detective Price. And he's all for it. He's he I think right away he has interest in Billy. He's intrigued by her. Um, so they sit down and uh I don't know, connect a little bit or just talk about talk about stuff. Do you remember that conversation? I don't remember the conversation, but I do remember that after when she talked to her Aunt Cassandra, she said that um she talked about Terrell. And Aunt Cassandra said, when did he come to when did he become Terrell instead of yeah. Detective Price? And so she got to be us for a second observing the relationship because things had shifted after that. Yes, yes. Things had shifted because he was saying, you know, is this a Trojan horse, this sandwich? Are you trying to get information on the sly? And she said, no, I really am not, you know, and, and then she comes. She's pretty forthcoming with some things about her friend Maggie. Um, Maggie lied to you, you know, in the kitchen. He's like, yeah. I, oh, I yes. That. I remember this now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got that. She lied to me because Maggie, Maggie made some horrible choices. Horrible. <laughs> when they found this skull, the skull in her dad's basement, she is a, is an attorney. And so she's already clicking in her mind, like the police are here. The DA is going to start building a case against my dad. You know, I've got to really just protect him. So she deletes voicemail messages from him. She lies to the cops about recognizing a gold watch they find and um, just burying herself under these horrible choices. So Billy kind of comes clean for her to the detective and, and that, that starts to earn his trust. And Maggie said that she was doing that because she herself either was a DA or works in a DA's office in Chicago yeah. and said that she had put people away for a lot less evidence. And so, uh, she just saw all the clues adding up and, just, yes. <laughs> and thought I could win this case. So perhaps not for my dad. Right. So the gold watch that they do find, um, with, with all the bones, some of the bones were preserved. Some of the bones had disintegrated in, um, lie and, um, it sounds like the basement was a basement that flooded quite regularly. It had a dirt bottom. And um, that is what saved all of the bones or saved the, some of the bones from being deteriorated by this, by this lie, I guess. So it preserved, preserved it and washed away the lie. But they find this gold watch and it's Phoebe's gold watch. It's obvious. It's in pictures. It's, you know, it's, everyone remembers that it's Phoebe's. So they do assume that this, these body that they find is Phoebe in the basement. Um, so now it's like, well, who killed Phoebe? What happened? You know, all of this stuff until, <laughs> until <laughs> when Detective Price goes on the show, the morning show. Do you remember that? <laughs> So he and Carlos went out for tacos, except Detective Price doesn't eat carbs or things that taste good, but Carlos <laughs> still convinces him to go on the morning show. And so he goes thinking this case has already been exposed. I may as well look, uh, I, I may as well make a public appeal for anyone to come forward with information. And while he is sitting there on the couch, just trying to ease in and Billy doesn't want him there stopped him halfway through his makeup process just was like I am not into this um Phoebe walks out in a fabulous reveal and and it turns totally. out she's not the person in the basement and Detective Price gets very mad about it and Carlos just gets up and goes we have another five minutes <laughs> I loved I love that he was like we're figuring this out 
<laughs> I know. I it, that was shocking to me though. Like I didn't see that coming. I I definitely I don't know if anyone did. I mean, Phoebe is alive and well. That those are not her bones in the basement. Detective Price realizes, okay, this got out of hand quick. So he takes her. He takes her to a the station or something and um, stops the interview. So now it's like, okay, whose bones are in the basement? Like what is going on? So they start to um, just kind of kind of interview more people. We do have the reveal of a screwdriver with one single print on it. And so they're trying to find these a print match um, based on all these people who were at the party seven years ago. They rule out Ryan, the gym teacher. They rule him out. They rule out um, Pam Messner, the, the candidate for mayor. They rule out this guy named Brad, who um, was a young guy who worked for Pam for a long time and now is her campaign manager. Um, they just keep ruling people out. And it's like, what? I thought for sure it was this Brad. Brad was pretty good red herring. Did you think? I thought Brad was a great red herring. I didn't think he had done it, but I thought that maybe he had hidden the body or something. I thought he had taken a much more active part in the murder than what was mm -hmm. later revealed. He was a fantastic red herring because he was kind of suspicious or rather pretty suspicious, but not overly villainous where you, it's just clear that this person didn't do it and we're just mm -hmm. supposed to believe they did it. Mm -hmm. I thought that they did a good job uh, redirecting yeah. with him. Yeah, I did too. Um, because obviously now that it's not Phoebe in the basement, we we get the info that then it was it was Jay. It was this other guy. It was Jay Messner, this um, this mayor's ex-husband. And um, so so now it's like, well, what what in the world happened? Who killed who killed him and stuff. So I'm pretty sure that the next crazy wild thing that happens here <laughs> is this Gwendolyn Neely, this other lady on the block has a party. She has a nice fancy black tie party and invites everybody who was at the party seven years ago, basically kind of tricks them all into coming to this, this party and says, while we're here, let's figure this, let's create a timeline. Let's figure it out. <laughs> I loved that. It felt like clue. It's like, while we're all dressed up, having some past hors d'oeuvres, like living it up, by the way, where were you seven years ago? Someone's dead. You may have done it. The murderers in this room. Okay. Could you pass the shrimp cocktail? Like right. <laughs> loved energy. She was just like, we need a little more Pinot Gris over here. <laughs> yeah. Just a little more Pinot Gris, get the stories flowing, get the, like the tongues loose here. Yeah. I just loved that energy. And, um, <laughs> I really was a fan of Gwendolyn throughout the film. She was just so fun. Even, um, earlier in the movie, when they initially question her about everything, which I think sets in motion, her want to have this party of figuring out a murder and uh they go because aunt cassandra knew her from the neighborhood that they used to live with together that they used to live in together and aunt cassandra does not want to be there she's not mm -hmm. thrilled she feels uncomfortable <laughs> and gwendolyn was just 
obnoxious in a wonderful way. She was like, do you want to tour my very rich mansion? Do you want to talk about my Instagram? Do you want to look at the rich things I do? We can all like be rude to my housekeeper together. I'm rich. I'm so rich and happy. And in so- your face. Yes. <laughs> so obnoxious. And I love ridiculous characters like that. Mm-hmm. She was, and she played it so well. She played mm-hmm. it. She was that two-faced where she was so nice, so nice the whole time. But as soon as Billy and Aunt Cassandra got in the car, Aunt Cassandra's like, she hates me. <laughs> she yeah. hates me. I know it. I can tell. <laughs> and I love Aunt Cassandra when Gwendolyn friended her on whatever the social media app yeah. was called that they use PixArt or something. Yeah. They said, uh, she goes, oh, she wants to be my online friend. And I was like, oh, this is my mom describing social media. Like she wants to be my <laughs> online friend. My online friend. So, so <laughs> formal and proper. Yeah. Yes. So, so that ended up being kind of a, um, a small detail that, that made a big impact. You know, these pictures, someone was taking pictures at this party seven years ago and, um, Sure enough, you kind of find you find evidence in these pictures throughout the rest of the story. So they have flashbacks, they have pictures that everyone's looking at and consulting. And um, and that is one thing that Gwendolyn shows at her party. She shows a picture that someone took, Brad, Mm -hmm. of Phoebe murdering Jay. Of of sticking that uh screwdriver in his neck and murdering Jay. And um you know, it's a hooded figure and stuff and her hands are, are out over Jay. And she's like, this is proof. And so at that time, um, Detective Price, because he's there in a handsome tuxedo as well, takes the photo as evidence, takes Phoebe into his care, you know, and says, OK, this is all hearsay. Nothing, nothing proves this. And um, but the photo, that was a pretty big deal, actually, the, the one she revealed, because it ended up being. Um, the evidence that proved that Phoebe did not do it, actually. Phoebe did not kill Jay. Yeah, it was it was a risk that did not pay off to show that picture because we can talk about, I don't know if you're comfortable revealing the murderer yet. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's reveal. In revealing that picture, I think Gwendolyn was sitting on that in hopes that she could show it and go, this is Phoebe. And then everyone will go, oh my goodness, it's Phoebe and just call it a day. And instead she handed a police officer a photo of herself murdering someone. Cause it turns out it was Gwendolyn. We learned that the screwdriver that um, was used in the murder actually belonged to Aunt Cassandra who has a memory recall that I'll never know in my life. I couldn't tell you what I ate today, what I did. And she looked at that picture for two seconds, really a millisecond, I would say, and went, oh, that's mine. That's my screwdriver. And so you can see this like tiny little label. So it turned out that Mike had borrowed the screwdriver from her seven years ago. And yeah. that Gwendolyn went, oh, this is perfect for murder and took it and stabbed Jay with it. And stabbed Jay with it. <laughs> stabbed Jay with it. What she, why she killed Jay. Gwendolyn killed Jay. What was her motive here? I thought at, at first it was going to be a romantic motive, but there was no mm-hmm. romance there. She loves her husband, Mike, but they were having money problems, big time money problems filed for bank- bankruptcy. No one knew. And she saw the opportunity to take to kill Jay and take this a half a million dollars in cash 
that he had embezzled from his wife's car dealership Mm -hmm. to run away with Phoebe. And so while Phoebe was upstairs packing her bag to run away with Jay, Gwendolyn takes the opportunity to kill him, steal this money. And, um, you know, this is the rich lady, you know, they, they invested in the town and then, um, you know, got returns on that and everything. So that was her motive. It was all money and it was all, um, yeah, that was it. Remind me, how did the body get to the basement? Gwendolyn? I assume Mike moved it. I assume he was part of it because later we see at one of Pam's campaign events, she goes to uh, bomb a building. There has to be a better term for that because it's not. <laughs> it's not bomb. It's it's Pam a purposeful is not a raise. terrorist. Raise. She, they're going to raise the building. Yes, right? they're, On they're, purpose. they're exploding the building because they're building something there. It is legal. Yes. Pam Mesner was not a terrorist in this. She was just a candidate for mayor talking <laughs> about new development in her town. And so. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know how to fish. I don't know how to do construction. I'm just just here trying to hang. And so uh, when she goes to detonate it, um, the cops pull up in time to stop stop her because uh, unwittingly she would have uh, facilitated someone else's death in that Mike had Phoebe tied up in that building that was set to detonate uh, or that was set to explode. And so with that, I think that that, means mike was in on it and likely yeah. helped move jay's body okay that that makes sense that makes sense they were a very close couple and they mm-hmm. they actually had they were very complex these two because they were doing horrible things and yet they were turning around and they were doing good things <laughs> like yes re you know like revamping the city and pouring more money back into the city and getting things um getting pam you know a candidate for mayor and you know, all of this stuff. So they were just, they were just complex in their um, villainous ways, but bad. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah. Maybe the movie is a lesson that we're all five hundred thousand dollars away from revitalizing our own towns because that's all it took for them to have great investments. Unfortunately, that money was just awful from the start, and so nothing that comes from it can be good. No. It came from murder, but they turned that five hundred thousand into the whole city i i feel like they could almost do a part two of the movie of just the town having to extricate itself from the investments from this couple because it sounded like they were almost sustaining yeah. it yeah you're right you're right they definitely need to do a hallmark drama on that yeah um, exactly <laughs> just a financial drama for everyone who just loves civil planning or whatever right? <laughs> which hallmark does yeah yeah for they sure do. oh they do actually oh they do they love a town yeah. planner. So we do have, you know, we have the pieces that come together. We have the um, detective price finding the lie on um, the construction site. When he goes to visit Mike Neely, we have um, Cassandra and Billy and Maggie piecing it together with the screwdriver that it was Aunt Cassandra's from seven years ago. And Billy, some she goes rogue and she goes and confronts Gwendolyn and brings her muffins and stuff like that and needs to be saved last minute by Detective Price who saves the day and he comes in and, and um, arrests Gwendolyn before she can murder Billy. So that, was that sort is- of a silly scene when Gwendolyn just kept chopping that muff. I have never seen someone chop dice a muffin really. And I think it was just for us to see her with the knife 
But then I don't know that if someone is holding a knife and I guess all of the ladies in Hallmark movies are very good at this. I don't know that I would confront someone with the fact that they murdered someone else while they are holding a weapon. And so she's just like, has this giant knife and she is into smaller and smaller pieces. This muffin is about to be keto friendly and Billy (laughs) and Billy at the end, like despite all that knife wielding was like, you killed, you killed them. You killed them. You killed them. And so of course she draws her knife on her. I mean, what is she going to do? Like you're backed into a corner at this point. You can't even get any muffin. Like you can't even two reveals in both of these movies where people don't get to have delicious treats and instead (laughs) have to talk about murder if there's another reason to not kill other people it's there are better things to do with your time have a muffin instead such a great point me too you are so wise (laughs) i should just do all crime prevention just everyone just have some creme brulee calm down it's okay perfect just eat it you need a little sugar rush here don't (laughs) worry (laughs) oh that's so great so yes that is that was the end that is the reveal the end of our uh, morning show mystery they they celebrate at aunt cassandra's house i believe Mm -hmm. and um invite maggie back and and the dad and i think phoebe even and um Detective Price is there and they they do a little cheers to a toast to new friends or something like that. So great movie. I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was a great mystery. I gave it a four out of five. I agree. I might even go 4.5 because I was so impressed by the revamp. Great. I love that. Yes, the revamp was worth it. It was really timely and I think brought fresh a, a new era to the morning show mysteries and they could they could keep going that is the may recap we have martha's vineyard mysteries and morning show mysteries two great movies that you'll definitely want to watch or re-watch um me too thank you for joining me on the hallmarkies podcast so fun thank you for having me this was a delight and uh is this where I plug my podcast with uh, I was just gonna ask you can you please do that tell us where to find you on social media fab uh I'm sorry for not waiting for that it is after 9 30 p.m on the east coast so I am officially a pumpkin at this point but (laughs) I co-host a podcast with one of my best friends BJ called the pilot podcast where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows. So these are new shows or shows requested by our listeners to answer your question, should I watch this? Because there's so much out there and we do very quick synopses and very quick uh, reviews to just clue you in on what things that you may like or things that you may want to avoid. And so you can find our show at thepilotpodcast.com and we're also on Instagram and Twitter at thepilotpod. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm definitely going to look that up and find a few shows and listen to a few of your podcasts to see, should I watch this? Should I watch this? So great concept. Thank you so much for telling us about it. Everyone go find me too on social media. And you of course can find me on Instagram at Hallmark Comics. I would love to interact with you there. Um, Just a really silly thing you can follow. And um, hey, if you're listening to us here on YouTube, Um, Don't forget to give a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel or on iTunes. Please leave your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. And make sure to follow Hallmarkies podcast all over social media. We also have our patron group and uh, would love for you to join that. We have a lot of fun over there on our patron with our patrons. Uh, We have a merch store that you can check out. 
We appreciate all the support. And of course, thank you for listening tonight. And we will see you again. Bye, guys.